welcome to the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. I am a member of the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge Board of Directors because I love this region. It's the only reason that I joined because I wanted to be able to find a way to tell people about the area that I call home and the area that really has a lot to offer. I moved here back, what, 1987. Thought I'd be here for two years before I moved on with my career and before I knew it. My wife Mary and I had a family and we enjoyed all there was to do here. And I said, what do I really want in life? Do I want to go to a bigger city and a bigger city and a bigger city? Or do I want to stay here where I feel warm and comfortable? And and there's there's so much to do. I'm an outdoors person, and this is right here nestled in the mountains in the western half of the state of Virginia. And it's just beautiful here. So there's fishing opportunities and hiking and bicycling and you know, you name it. It's all it's all right here. So and then, of course, we've got all the culture in the area because we could, we have a, a city here in Roanoke. So we have this Metro Mountain mix, Metro Mountain adventure, if you're looking for a getaway. And so that's what Virginia's Blue Ridge is all about. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's my opportunity to talk to you and, and tell you what's going on and interview some of the players here in the region who will, will share that information at a little bit more granular level th- than I'm able to do. So we're talking about the great things happening in Roanoke, Roanoke County, the city of Salem, Botetourt, Franklin counties. You may not have heard of them yet if you're listening from outside the region, but that's what we're trying to change because we have a lot to offer here. And this podcast is just a, a good way for us to reach out and let the rest of the world know what's going on here. So toward that end, I will tell you that we are America's East Coast mountain biking capital. We've been designated as a Silver Level Ride Center by the International Mountain Bike Association, or IMBA, and, and I was a part of that process through Visit VBR. We had a committee, and and that that was not an easy accomplishment. There is a long checklist that you have to uh, meet in order to become a bronze, a silver, or a gold level ride center, and there are very few gold levels anywhere in the world, and uh, silver is amazingly difficult to achieve, but uh, we were able to get that designation, and who knows, maybe someday it'll be a gold level, but the, the silver level, uh, I live here, and I have not ridden all of our trails yet, and I've been mountain biking since the uh, since about 1990, so uh, I try to go fairly often, I would say three to five times a month, and then I'll ride my road bike other times. So it's not like I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, to riding mountain bikes here in the region, but there are so many things going on. And, and if you listen to some of the previous podcasts, the, uh, the mountain bike scene is still growing here. There are still new trails being built. There are uh, ride parks being built, and uh, th- there's just there's just a ton going on. So I'm bragging a little bit, but I'm so happy to see that we are living up to uh, the stake that we've put in the ground as America's East Coast mountain biking capital. And if you come here and ride some of the places I like to ride, Carvin's Cove, uh, also the Explore Park, which is right off the Blue Ridge Parkway, and then Mill Mountain, right in the heart of the city, is covered with mountain bike trails. And you would be amazed at the number of people who take their lunch hour, take their bicycle out the side door, 
ride up and, and ride the trails on Mill Mountain and then down the mountain and then back to work. And you can do that all right here within the heart of the city of Roanoke. Um, and there, there are many, many other uh, areas around here, Dragon's Back, uh, Arcadia. So I'll put a link in the show notes uh, where you can find all the mountain biking trails that we have here in the region. And also, of course, there's there's just more road biking and gravel biking than, than you can imagine as well. And, and so we're, we're creating links to all of that at Visit VBR. Now, with COVID, of course, there are changes this year. And here on the VBR podcast, uh, we've already profiled at, at the holiday season how Roanoke is doing Dickens of a Christmas. Illuminites at Explore Park is still going on, and it will be until after Christmas. And uh, I've been out there. It is absolutely beautiful. And my wife was able to go with my uh, son and my daughter-in-law and my little one-year-old uh, granddaughter, Olivia, and she just looked at those lights and got those big eyes. And I mean, it's just, but you, you don't even need to be a child to enjoy it. It really is beautiful. It's about a half mile trail, 500,000 lights. It's, it's gorgeous. We already did a podcast on that and there'll be a link to that, but that's, that's going on through the holiday season at Explore Park. And I need to mention that uh, the towns of Rocky Mount and Buchanan also have a lot going on all the way through Christmas. So I'll just mention that quickly. If you want to know more, you, you can find those episodes uh, once again in the show notes. And then, of course, uh, after Christmas, uh, that won't be so relevant. But the podcast we're doing today is relevant year-round because we're going to be focusing on Salem and everything that Salem has going on. And it's a small city. It's, it butts right up to Roanoke's western edge. And it is Title Town USA because they've hosted so many NCAA championships. It's like the Division Three capital of the world. Okay, um, so we're looking forward to, to 2021, and hopefully uh, by then uh, one of these vaccines that they're talking about or, or more will be available, and they will be effective, and everybody will have been inoculated, and life can return to some version of normal, right? And perhaps no place in Virginia's Blue Ridge is looking forward to things opening back up in Salem because they host so many events. This is a place where people come. It's a place where people uh, like to celebrate together and cheer on their team together and, and play softball together. So uh, first of all, Salem has these amazing athletic facilities. They've hosted dozens and dozens of Division Three national championships. It's home to the Salem Red Sox, which is, uh, you know, they are, they're uh, tied in with the Boston Red Sox. And it's uh, the single A team here because we have one of the most amazing minor league baseball stadiums you'll find anywhere in the country. Salem is now boasting two breweries, uh, all the outdoor amenities I talked about, kayaking on the Roanoke River. And if you want to play softball, they host tournaments pretty much every weekend at the beautiful Moyer Complex. And, and if there's more teams they can handle at the complex, then they spill over into uh, some of the other uh, many fields that we have here in uh, Virginia's Blue Ridge. And then, of course, the Salem Fair is the largest free gate fair in Virginia, which means you don't have to pay to get in. And it's one of the largest in the entire nation after that. Um, and I can tell you that even with COVID, that there is a very strong chance the fair will return in 2021 with special precautions. And the man responsible for a lot 
of what I just mentioned. His name is Kerry Harvey Cutter, and Kerry has worked in Salem his entire life. He actually started the fair. Uh, he recruited those NCAA championships, including the Amos Alonzo Stag Bowl, which is carried nationally on ESPN. That's the Division Three championship in football. Um, and I want to ask him how he did that. And, and I did ask him, and that interview is, is coming up. So you hear, you'll hear a lot more about that. Uh, but more than that, if you are, if you are listening from outside this area, maybe you're looking for a getaway, an outdoor destination, an, an antiquing trip, maybe uh, coming into town to visit your son or daughter at Roanoke College. I don't know, but you may never want to go home because there is so much going on in Salem. And coming up, my interview with Carrie Harvey Cutter here on the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge podcast. Welcome back to the Visit VBR podcast. And joining me now is Carrie Harvey Cutter, who is almost a registered landmark himself. <laughs> in the city oh, of I've been Salem, called a Virginia. lot of things, but a landmark is not. Well, you're an institution. How about that? Oh, very good. Like Western State Hospital and things like that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> How long have you been working in Salem, Carrie? It, it's interesting. I started as a sophomore in high school in 1968. At the at that time, the Salem Roman County Civic Center worked my way up there. Became the the director in 83, retired from the directorship of Civic Facilities, which was Civic Center, Football Stadium, Baseball Stadium, about six years ago and assumed the part-time position as director of tourism. So I've been around a long time. I had uh -huh. hair. <laughs> and you call that part-time, but if I know you, that's only 50 hours a week. No, I, I keep it at 30. I'm, I'm pretty good about keeping it at 30. If it's a big event, you know, a big NCAA event or something like that, then I'll work more and then I'll take off the next week. So. Well, I know, I know from, uh, you know, on Channel 10, you're always on the air. You always got something going on. Yeah, and yeah we've, we've done a good bit with you all. You've been very, very cordial to us in Salem. Yeah, well, we're, we're, uh, we're really, really happy to have you here on the VBR podcast today. We're going to talk a little bit about Salem and we're going to assume for the moment that whoever's listening to this is from outside the area and they want to come here. So tell me a little bit about where Salem is and uh, and how to get there and that sort of thing. And, and then we'll get into all the great reasons people should care. Super. Salem is in southwest central Virginia, adjoined the city of Roanoke, our big sister to the, to the east. Uh, we're about 25 minutes from Virginia Tech, uh, right off of Interstate 81 with three exits. We're in a great location for outdoors. We have the, the Appalachian Trail on one side of us and the Blue Ridge Parkway to the other side of us. So if you like to ride in a car and look at scenery or you want to walk and see scenery, we're right in the middle of it. You're only, what, about 20 minutes from Virginia Tech and Blacksburg too, right? We are with the new cutover. It's, it's pretty quick up and down 81. Yeah, very good. All right, so let's talk about Salem's unbelievable record in hosting NCAA events. And then they went away just briefly, and now they're coming back. So how many NCAA events have you hosted there in Salem? Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate that the NCAA selected us to host the Division Three football championship, the Stag Bowl, in 1993. It was here for 25 years, 25 great runs, uh, outstanding games, ESPN national broadcast. Uh, we continued with other events, and, and in fact, we've hosted 87 
NCAA Divisions two and three national championships uh, more than more than any other community our size in the country. We have four hopefully coming up this year in twenty one, uh, and that will host women's basketball at the college, uh, and then we'll have Divisions two three women's lacrosse and Division three softball. But the key to it is we we just received the bids back in October. Uh, for the next four-year bid cycle of 2022 to 27. And we were awarded 15 national championships. And the highlight of those is that the Amos Alonso Stag Bowl will return to Salem for the 50th annual championship game in 2023. There is nothing that makes me happier than to have the game that started it come back for their their golden anniversary. So how does that work? I, I you, you know, you. I'm wearing my VBR sports hat today, and I and I know that there's a, a very distinct marketing effort that goes into attracting these people. But you go to a trade show, you go to a meeting. You, you. I mean, how does how does it happen? How do you make well, people decide they want to come events, here? A lot of the events, yes, you work trade shows. There are numerous trade shows that uh, the staff at VBR Sports and John Shaner and I attend every year. NCA though is different. The NCAA, we met with. The, the staff at the NCA back in uh, in late summer, they put out a bid for all of their championships for four years. Only things they didn't bid were the uh, Division I uh, men's and women's basketball championship, and I believe the, uh, the men's uh, Frozen Four. And so you have to have a host. Uh, in our case, our host for all of our events is the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, which is a D3 conference headquartered in Forest. And if we're playing an event at Roanoke College, Roanoke College is also a host. Uh, and so you you prepare you prepare your documents, all the information. You have to provide a financial budget, uh, the results of what you expect your attendance to be, uh, your projected hotels that we don't get to select, but we have to give suggestions and recommendations based on their criteria. And then it, it goes to the to the clearinghouse at the NCA, and then the people there forward it out to each of the committees. Division Three football has an eight-member committee with a staff person from the NCAA. One thing going in our favor this time is that the chair of the committee, uh, Dewey Nats from the University of Wisconsin in, in upstate Wisconsin, had been chair when we hosted before. And we wanted the 50th championship. Uh-huh. We thought that was significant. We'd hosted it 25 years. We thought for the 50th anniversary game, it should come home to Salem. And so you, you can't politic because it, it's just not allowed. Uh, but we had you know significant support from the community, from our localities, from Virginia's Blue Ridge, from the Chamber of Commerce and things like that, showing the commitment to Salem uh, of what we can do with the game. And so we sent it in. We we thought we had a good shot, but you never know until till you know. And, and so uh, back in October, we're sitting at the Civic Center and uh, the bids come out. A group of us, uh, a good bit of our council was there and people from VBR. And we found out we got the game. And I, I could not be happier. Uh, it is a great testimony to the community that the NSA will come back to Salem. Uh, we're not the newest stadium. We're not the biggest stadium. We don't have the biggest video board and things like that, that a number of these, these facilities are going to. And, and when you look at who is also hosting, uh, the year before Salem, it's going to be at the Naval Academy in Annapolis. 
the year after us is at the College Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. So we're in pretty darn good company. You have little old Salem, Virginia in a high school facility. Uh, and so we're just very excited to have that back. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is, um, it, it's not amazing to me because I've seen the facilities over there and you're downplaying them a little bit uh, because they're very nice. Oh, it's a great facility. Yeah, it's a great it, facility. It is an outstanding facility. It's not as good as maybe the Naval Academy. May, well, what is, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I guess we could talk about Michigan or even, you know, Virginia sure. Tech and Blacksburg, you know, uh, Lane Stadium. But the... Uh, there are nice stadiums around the world, but Salem just seems to be a sweet spot for these D3 events. It's it's just, there's just enough hotels. It's not expensive. We don't have great weather, especially for the Stag Bowl, usually. Not going to be great weather in Canton, Ohio, either. Thursday That's true. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, and, and we've talked to the people at the NCA, and it, it's because we treat them right, John. If they ask us to do something, we're going to give them one of two answers. Yes, we'll get it done, or no, that just doesn't work. And there's so many people in this world today that will, you know, lead you on. So yeah, we'll see about that, and we'll check on that. Let let me get back to you on that. And and that's just not the Salem manner. You know, we we know the parameters we have to work within, and and we do it. They love the Southern hospitality. They love the hospitality that. John Shaner, who works with me on all these championships, uh, gives. We'll, we'll go to the semifinals of the Stag Bowl, and, and we really enjoy it. We meet with the teams, you know, go over ideas and things like that. Uh, they'll have a host family assigned to them that'll work with them. You know, it's not easy on the last minute to come up with a place to feed 65 football players. Mm-hmm. You know, even a Golden Corral can't do that in a moment's notice. Right. And so, you know, you work with that. We have doctors that have worked with us for years. Del Bowen and people like that just they bend over backwards to see patients. The hoteliers go out of their way. You know, we've used a number of hotels in, in the Roanoke Valley. While the game's played in Salem, the teams end up playing, uh, staying in Roanoke City because we don't have a hotel the size to, to take football teams in Salem. So, you know, we've used both the Holiday Inns. We've used the Hotel Roanoke. We used the Sheraton before it closed. So we've used a lot of hoteliers. The comments, and because all of them do a survey, is that they just can't believe how nice they were treated and how accommodating everybody was. Well, it's that's like that's, that's the, Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how people are here. <laughs> Whether we're talking about Salem or, I mean, we talk about Virginia Blue out. Ridge, but it's just friendly, friendly people. So let's uh, let's wrap up on this. But so you've had, what, 87? We've had 87. Games? At the end of this academic year, we'll be at 91. We will be at 93 before the next cycle starts in 2022. So we're wow. going to hit 100 uh, sometime in that probably 23 or so. I'd love for it to be the Stag Bowl, and it might well be, but I haven't counted it out because we're going to also be doing, you know, men's and women's soccer in the next cycle, playing at Roanoke College. And so that's two championships together played at the same time. It's just exposing a lot of people to Virginia's Blue Ridge, to, to the mountains, to this area. And it doesn't just work with NCAA. When we're doing major softball tournaments, Teams will come in, you know, from the West Coast. They'll come from the Midwest. And they've never seen nature like we have it here. They haven't seen the the mountains, the, the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains that we have uh, in this part of the world. And it's, you know, 
it, it's all based on tourism. Right. People visiting. And, and surprisingly, the number of people that would come by the football stadium when I was still at the Civic Center that had either played in the Stag Bowl, had coached in the Stag Bowl, they're bringing families, show them where they want. Well, that's interesting. Wow. So the thing, the thing about Salem, too, is you have that gorgeous little walkable downtown with really nice shops. Talk a little bit, and it, I believe it's uh, downtown is a historic district, is it not? It is, is it on it, the it National is. Register or parts of it? Yes, we're National Register Historic District, uh, and it's 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 five blocks. Uh, it's undergoing a, a renaissance, a renovation. Uh, with the downtown historic plan that's underway. College Avenue has already been completed. Uh, they're now working on the western end of Main Street near the city market, putting in new brick pavers, putting in new historic lighting. On College Avenue, they have lights that are strung across the street for ambiance and to, to give a different look to it. And we do, we have a number of restaurants, a number of little shops uh, up and down Main Street. It's just a, an, a quaint little area. And now we actually have lodging downtown with the lofts uh, of downtown Salem, which are in a, most recently was the uh, a West Salem body shop. Prior to that, it was a car dealership uh, that used to have a big elevator in the middle of it that would take cars up to the paint room on the second floor. And so that's a, that's an historic building. You can come spend a couple nights. You have a complete kitchen. Uh, big sitting area, Hulu TV, you know, and and you can you can stay there, and then you can walk across the street to, to Blue Moon Mercantile and pick up some merchandise, or go to the one of the antique shops, or go across the street to Joe's Deli, or right up the street to Mill Mountain Coffee and Tea to get your Danish and coffee if you want to cook something in the morning, uh, and it it just makes it great with the city market anchoring everything there. Yeah, that well, of course, in Roanoke College, you get the college community right there, oh, yes. and so you you have uh, a quaint little downtown, and you, but you do get the support from the college students, and then from their families at all the various events right. and so forth, and so uh, and you've got one fine dining restaurant there in the Blue Apron. Oh, Blue Apron is amazing. I'll I'll put it up against any restaurant in the area. Just great food, uh, an eclectic menu that changes on a regular basis, uh, a 10-seat bar. You know, it's the Blue Apron Restaurant and Red Rooster Bar. And it's right. I think there's there's three seats at the bar and five or six seats along the side. Scott Switzer is the executive chef. He's a Salem boy, went to Salem High School, came back here and said, every town needs a restaurant like this. And it's, you know, it's a block from the college, too. So you see a lot of college students with parents. You know, if the parents come in and want to take them to a really nice dinner, they take them there. Uh, wow. And it's just just a wonderful feel. Well, I uh, I have friends who know food. Uh, I, you know, I, I know what I like, but I have some friends who know food and uh, have traveled the world. And they would put the Blue Apron right there with any place they have ever been, not just in the region, but anywhere in the world. Oh, it, it, it's amazing. I have never had a bad meal there. Now, yeah. it will challenge me sometimes because I will go outside of my comfort zone and order something that maybe is not a favorite when there are things on there that are my favorites. Uh-huh. But it, it never fails to impress. It's always, I said, you know, that's opened me up to, to get that somewhere again, you know. Uh-huh. 
Right. Or you can just go down the street, go to McAdoo's or Mac and Bob's. Mac and Bob's, you get a calzone. That's right in the middle of my comfort zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm much more a calzone or wings and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. in, in a block area, you've got basically Mac and Bob's, Blue Apron, McAdoo's, All Sports, and Machacho Alegre, which is a, a good Mexican restaurant. So, you know, you if I tell people during the pandemic when you maybe don't want to go inside and eat in a restaurant, you can park your car there and pick up three or four different takeouts and everybody can have what they want that night as their favorite. Yeah, from a different restaurant. And from yeah. a different restaurant. Right. Well, like I said, it, it's quaint, but it's it's amazing how Salem has managed. We already talked about how it's sort of like the center of the universe for D3 championships and people come from all over the country. And we also uh, host the Salem Fair, and that's the largest fair in Virginia, right? It is. We're the largest fair, and we're one of the top largest fairs that are free gate. We, we charge no admission in the country. John Saunders and I started that. 30 years ago, I guess, when it was slow in the summer. We didn't have a lot going on, and we started the fair. Uh, it grew exponentially the first three or four years uh, to become what it is today. Uh, 12 days, June 30th to July the 11th uh, at the Civic Center on the grounds. I mean, we we take a 14-acre parking lot in the rear facility, and that's where the, the Carnival Midway and the Independent Midway becomes. We use the Civic Center for commercial exhibits and a stage show in the arena. We have all the, you know, the things that, that make a fair a fair where you can enter your quilt and you can enter your baked goods and your vegetables from your garden. You can get a blue ribbon or you can get the, the big rosette that, uh, that, you know, that's the grand champion. And, and you may get a check for $5. The, the first year we started the fair, we, we paid everybody by check. And, being a government agency, if the check doesn't clear, it has to go to the commissioner for the state. You know, so you can you can you all do the thing at Channel Ten where you can mm -hmm. find out lost money with the that's right. been found. Well, yeah. we found out a lot of people were not cashing their checks. They would frame the check with their blue ribbon from the fair, <laughs> and so we had all the checks. So we we've gotten away from that. Our finance department with the city came up with the idea: everybody gets cash. You sign a receipt, you take your in your $5, your $1, your $20, uh, and, and you do that. So it, it's just a great event. We have seven different free, free stages of entertainment. Uh, you know, all that great fair food, everything from funnel cakes to, to pizza to popcorn to kettle corn to uh, fried Oreos. Oh, I, I know, I tell right? people that, oh. that fried Oreos and funnel cakes, you don't want to eat every week. But if you come... And provided you don't have a, a a problem with with sweets, you come and have a funnel cake one time a year. You know, get that little bit of grease and sugar in your body and go on. You'll remember it till till your chance to have it again next year. That's yes, for sure. <laughs> and of course, the midway is fantastic. The rides, the games, uh, you know, to win the Cupid doll or you know whatever it is. Um, it, it really is. It's a, it, it has become such a big deal. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, and I don't know if you'll remember that this happened, but it was probably the second or third year of the fair. Oh, Channel I remember 10. the second year. Okay. Channel 10 was a sponsor, and we had built this plexiglass <laughs> little enclosure, and we were, we were doing our whole newscast from the fair. Yes, you I remember, remember that. that. 
And then do you remember what happened? It imploded during the storm on Saturday. Yeah, there was a storm on Saturday. Well, I got to tell you that I was so happy that that thing fell down because they didn't ventilate it properly. I know. We were sitting in there doing this newscast and uh, the station had hired somebody to build this thing, but it was all plexiglass. It was like sitting in a car in the sun and the sweat was coming down our faces. And we're like, oh my, I don't know if we're going to live through this newscast. Not really, but I mean, it was so hot. It, and so it was horrible. Yeah. And then when the storm blew that thing down, I think we were all cheering. Except yeah, you all were just sitting except for your, the station manager. Yeah. In your director's chairs and with God and everybody right there beside you. I, yeah. I can't remember who the, the young lady was that was your co-host, but she was happy because she had to wear long sleeves back in the day. Yeah, I think it was Monica Schumann. It, I think it was Monica. Monica Schumann. And yeah. she had to wear a jacket and long sleeves, and it was just, just like you in a suit and tie. Right. Oh, yeah. I was, you know, the whole, you know, at least yeah. now if we went to the fair, you know, they'd let us dress more casually. But back then it was very, very formal. But that storm came through. And I mean, nothing was sticking up above the ground more than six inches in terms of our our little. Uh, we, there was a thing. 60 was by 180 flat. foot tent that we had installed for exhibits. And it took and ripped it from one end to the other, mm. put it on the ground. Yeah, it was the it was the first year we had we had rain and the second year we had that storm. Uh, and there was the third year before people realized that I, I didn't have to always have wet hair because every time I did a news interview, it was, you know, we were soaking wet. Yeah. But we took that 60 by 180 foot tent and the people that provided are the same people that did our horse show tents. And they had another tent sitting there the next morning, which just amazed people because they're coming to see the tremendous damage at the fair. And here, here, here there's a tent sitting where the other one was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they got a chance to see the demolished Channel 10 enclosure. <laughs> I think we well, picked we don't it up know pretty where quickly. But pardon me? Where, where, where did it land? That's the thing, you know, it, with the wind oh. that day, because it was two storms that met right over top of us, it did give us a... A special thing that now when in the summertime, when there's a, a terrible fa uh, terrible storm coming up, the National Weather Service, when they're alert, will also add in the Salem Fairgrounds. Mm. Well, I tell you what, um, I, I, I was glad to be a participant in, uh, in helping to promote the fair at that time. But I was really glad that uh, I didn't have to sit in that, yeah. in that hot house anymore. So that now you had to cancel the fair in 2020 because of COVID. We did. You are scheduled for, it's usually around uh, late June, early July. And yep. you think we'll have a fair in 2020? Yeah, I think, I think we'll have a fair. Everything that we're, we're receiving from the health department, from CDC, uh, seems to think uh, with the vaccines coming on board that we'll be in better shape at that point in time. It may look differently in that things may be spread out a little bit more. There are treatments. I know the carnival industry has come up with, with things that they would spray on rides to kill germs, you know, any touch points and things of that nature. Uh, that's out there. We actually did some, some fair food weekends uh, back in the fall and had some of our food vendors come in and, uh, and people spaced themselves out. They wore their masks. They stayed six feet apart. Uh, the fair industry is very resilient. And uh, if there's a way we can put the event on, we will. And 
And we're very hopeful that we'll be able to do that. Um, some fairs were held this year, Delaware State Fair and some others. Hmm. Uh, Delaware actually had their fair in July. And so they there are a number of fairs that have that have continued in the country, but the vast majority of them are like us and, and pulled the plug. Yeah. How many people typically come to the fair? Uh, somewhere around 300,000 in a year that it doesn't rain all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's the time of year when we have those thunderstorms. and that, that We do, and we've learned how to deal with them after those first couple of years. <laughs> hey, um, you have a lot of antique shops in Salem. I mean, to me, there's so many antique shops. My mother was an antiquer, but you, you could come and spend a weekend just going through the shops. Oh, you really can. There's there's ten or eleven, depending on how you count people. We have them, you know. There's there's one in downtown. There's a couple in downtown Salem. One of which is in a an old Kroger store, uh, Charlotte's Web, that is a huge undertaking. You can spend hours in that place. And then they have a an outside uh, space adjoining. There's you know Blue Moon Mercantile right downtown. That's antiques and eclectics, and so we have now and then. Um, Apperson, a couple of places there, and then three out on West Main Street, uh, anchored by Salem Antiques, right at uh, that has two buildings, so the regular building and then an annex. Yeah. And so a lot of antiques, a lot of people come in and shop in our antique stores and will order things and uh, go online with some of them and see what they've got. And a lot of them, while like Charlotte's Web and Salem Antiques, there's one name, but there's a lot of different vendors that have a lot of uh, unique items for sale in each of those. Yeah, the beautiful storefronts, and it just just, yeah. just adds to the whole the whole quaint feeling of town. Now, and the other thing that is emerging in Salem that I know will be of great interest to a lot of people is the brewery. Yes, uh, there's actually have- you got a couple of breweries. One of them is Parkway. Which we have one Parkway. Yeah. yeah, love it. And and then right downtown in the middle of the downtown, uh, historic downtown district is Old Salem Brewing. And so right. we have two very different. Uh, Parkway uh, has a number of brands that they keep uh, on shelves, you know, that uh, you can go out and get a, get a beer right there. Uh, but you can also get it at Kroger or Walmart and places like that. Great beers, you know, that have had wonderful recognitions. And we have Old Salem Brewing, which is downtown. Uh, and in Old Salem, there's a kiosk. You can go and get your beer and order from McAdoo's, and they'll bring your food down to you. Uh, they'll also, both of them bring in food trucks on a regular basis. They have music and entertainment. Uh, and we're very, very blessed to have two quality uh, breweries that support each other so much. Yeah, so one of my favorite things to do is to go mountain biking out at Carvin's Cove. And then on the way back, my buddies and I will stop uh, at Parkway because it's not far away at all. Right. And we'll have a beer before we head home. And they'll put up with us walking in there with some mud on our clothes and so forth. And a lot of times they'll have a band in there on the weekends. They do. Uh, and, and I love that. And then, but I haven't been to the old Salem Brewery yet. But there's what's the backstory to that? Was that that was an old manufacturing facility or uh, old, what was old it? Salem? When I was a kid, was the Pied, was the Piedmont stores. Uh, that's okay. where you went for clothing and apparel. Uh, more recently, it was uh, it was an appliance store, a Tarpley okay. Max. Uh, at one time, it was Tarpley stores. I always said Tarpley's was the the precursor to Walmart. Uh, because when I was growing up in Salem, and I grew up only about a block and a half from there, 
you could you could buy your appliances for your kitchen, your washer, your dryer, your refrigerator. Uh, you could buy fine jewelry. Uh, I bought my class ring for Andrew Lewis High School there. In the back part, you could buy uh, a Chuck Taylor Converse shoes and athletic equipment. And then tucked in between all of that was a cafeteria that had pie that had meringue on it that high. You, hmm. I mean, it was just amazing. They had handed over. You couldn't hand it under the glass. And and so they sold everything there. And now half of it is, is Old Salem Brewing. So, and, and the gentleman with Old Salem, his father was the city of Salem finance director a number of years ago. Uh, he's Sean Turk and he's a realtor. And uh, it, it's a great thing. They have a lot of outdoor seating at the rear, which is so critically important during the uh, the COVID-19 times to, to distance and, and be outside. And, you know, they bring in Mama Jean's barbecue one night and you can get barbecue or prime rib and things like that and drink a beer or take it, get your beer and take it home. They'll can it right there for you in, in one of their smaller areas. Well, that's, um, that's, that's neat. We've got a way to uh, keep the young people who live there happy and give the visitors a, a reason to come, yes. or you know, especially if you're in town for a for a ball game or soccer tournament or volleyball tournament, you guys host all kinds of tournaments. How many how many athletic fields do you offer to well, somebody? The, the, the key athletic wise in Salem is the Moyer Complex, which is a full field wagon wheel softball complex. And John Shaner has been able to attract so many national championships there. And in fact, this year Salem. Uh, along with Virginia's Blue Ridge, will be hosting the AS, uh, USA Softball Gold Softball, which are the top 16 under, 18 under teams in the nation that are selected. You qualify for that one. They're going to be here. We've also got a huge NSA Softball Championship. We do a, a large uh, senior softball tournament all over the valley in, in late spring, first part of end of May, 1st of June. Basically, when when softball begins at Moyer is the first weekend of March and it goes till November and there's yeah. a tournament pretty much there every single weekend. And it's throughout the Valley. So many of these terms are playing in, in Roanoke County. They're playing in Botetourt County. They're playing in Roanoke city uh, and people stay all over the area. Well, it's, it's wonderful. I ride my, uh, my bicycle on the greenway over there too. Yeah. And I'll ride by and you'll hear people cheering and you'll see the kids out there playing. And, you know, it's just, it's really cool to to see the enthusiasm and and like you said, if if it's not raining, uh, there's people on those fields. There are, there yep. really are. It's it's yep. amazing. And when it rains, the Parks and Rec crew works the field up, and we're ready to play. Uh, it takes skid loads of of drying compounds on the infield dirt, uh, but if there's a way to get it done, they will. Now, the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and I have to tell you that I, I have been a, a fan for a long time. When I was young, uh, my grandparents lived in Western Massachusetts, and I would sit at the kitchen table with my grandmother, and we would listen to the Boston Red Sox on the radio. She was a huge Red Sox fan, and and of course, they were very disappointing back in the day, as you remember. Yes. <laughs> I can remember saying, those darn Red Sox, those darn Red Sox. But now Salem has the Class A Red Sox team in town, and yeah. I was so happy when the Red Sox came to Salem. Yeah, uh, Salem Red Sox are just a great addition. Minor league baseball has has been in Salem since the '50s, so it's been here a long time. We 
We've been in the Carolina League over 50 years. Uh, and so it, it's a critical importance to the community for things, things to do. Uh, and it employs a lot of our youth and, and people for a second job in the summer working in ticketing and concessions and ushers and things of that. And it's a great night out. You know, they may not always win, but it's a it's a great evening of entertainment. The the beverages are cold. The food is reasonably priced. You you can let your kids run around because they're going to be safe. It's it's just a great evening, and uh, and we're very pleased to have minor league baseball continue in Salem because it 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 puts us on the map with baseball. Yeah, well, it really does, and and I think the Red Sox are a class organization. In in addition to being my favorite team, but you have quite a uh, quite a nice field there. I, I don't go to a lot of minor league parks, but I've got to believe that the one in Salem is in the top echelon. Oh, it is. It's it's one of the in the top ten percent of the of the minor league parks in the country, and you know we've got plenty of seats. Good sight lines. The turf is great for the teams to play on. Uh, they have great dressing facilities. Underneath the stadium is a complete roadway. Uh, so a bus for the team when they're leaving can pull in. They can load the team up and pull out. Uh, same way when they need to fill beer kegs uh, and change out kegs. It's in, the, it's in the basement, basically. And the kegger truck can drive right around there unload it, take on the empties, and if it's pouring down rain, it ain't going to bother anybody. I did not know that. Commissary there. I did not know. So you can yeah. drive a bus underneath? You can drive from one end of the seating area to the other end. There's a tunnel underneath that you can drive a semi through. I have never noticed that. In Something. fact, it would be a great location. I mentioned that uh, in talking with our EMS people. It's a great place to do uh, inoculations. Oh, for the for the in bad weather. Oh, wow. If you have bad weather. It's a great, great location. That would be you just drive through and you don't have to be out in the rain and yep. folks could just pull up and get their shot and keep going. That's right. Huh. Well, is there anything else about Salem I haven't asked you about? I've everything I can think of. It's uh, there's so many cool things in Salem. Anything else you want to mention, Carrie? Well, I think, and, and we've talked around it, and you've mentioned it, is that. You know, we're so close to the Appalachian Trail. We're so close to Carvin's Cove for the mountain biking, for the greenways. It's just there's so much to do outdoors uh, here. Uh, the Blue Way, the Runnock River Blue Way, where you can get in your kayak or canoe and, and float down the river. Uh, we have golf courses all around us. There's, you know, this is a outdoors wonderland. And and when we're in a situation as we are right now, not doing a lot of things indoors, it's just we're so blessed to have so many things outdoors that, that can uh, occupy people and they can see this great scenery that's in Virginia's Blue Ridge. Yeah. So, you know, I hope somebody is listening to this. Maybe they're in Des Moines and they're hearing about Salem and they just want to come and stay and spend a long weekend or something because there is so much to do, so much to see. There is. And you can stay right downtown in the lofts and Go to our restaurants and our little shops and uh, then get on your mountain bike and ride up to, to Carvin's Cove, stop at Parkway on your way back. And then we know of people that go to Parkway and then they come into Mac and Bob's and get a, uh, a calzone. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Well, Carrie Harvey Cutter, thank you so much for joining us here on the Visit VBR podcast. John, I've enjoyed it immensely and it's good to see you again. Have a great day. 
So thanks to Carrie Harvey Cutter for joining me here on episode eight of the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge podcast. Links again to all the information we discussed in the show notes. Uh, and of course, it is still the holiday season. I mentioned some of that before the interview today. Uh, lots of communities and organizations here in Virginia's Blue Ridge are, are still doing a lot for the holiday season. So I'll mention just quickly, Illuminates at Explore Park, the Nutcracker Ballet is still going on. You can see that on the local um, PBS station, uh, Blue Ridge PBS. Special events in Rocky Mount and Buchanan, two little towns here in Virginia's Blue Ridge, all the way through the holiday season. This is still the pandemic, so everything is subject to change, but keep that in mind, and you might want to go back and listen to some of the other podcasts if you're looking for a way to celebrate the holidays here. And then um, if you're looking for the ultimate guide to what's going on here year-round, uh, whether it's the holidays or the rest of the year, you need to check out visitvbr.com. All the attractions that we have here in Virginia's Blue Ridge, blogs, maps for cycling, hikes to waterfalls, lists of our wonderful restaurants and museums, the Tobin Museum of Art, the Children's Museum, the, the uh, uh, Children's Kids Square at Center in the Square, uh, the Science Museum. I mean, there's a lot going on in Roanoke, the Virginia Museum of Transportation, and on and on it goes. Uh, but these are museums that people travel to come see, and and I'm suggesting that you won't be disappointed if, if that's what you decide to do. And while you're here, you can check out the Cheers Trail. You download an app, and you go to some of our local brew pubs and distilleries. You get a special deal, and if you go to, I think it's five, I can't tell you exactly, but when you check in at a number of them, then you get a special prize. And so that's something to think about while you're here. And if you do come here and you do something fun, uh, it doesn't have to be uh, hiking on a trail, but we have the hashtag, hashtag trail setter. So take a picture and put it on your social media with the hashtag trail setter and let people know that you're here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. Thanks again to Carrie for joining me here on the Visit VBR podcast, and we'll have another podcast coming out soon. In the meantime, I hope to see you here in Virginia's Blue Ridge.